hello. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to everybody that's in the room, and welcome to everybody that's online with us. We're so grateful that you're here. We're so grateful you all are here. I, I, I'm looking at the camera, but I'm thinking of you, so just know that. I'm thinking of all everybody that's in here, and we're just so grateful. We're grateful for the kids that are in here. They're going to get to go to kids' church, and uh, don't forget kids and parents to make sure everybody's checked in. And uh, we're grateful for those of you that are online that are worshiping with us and praying with us uh, and hearing our message today from our, one of our lead pastors, Scott Lorridge. And uh, so don't forget, we'll be, uh, as we're praying, we'll also be receiving communion with one another. So if you're at home and you haven't already gotten your elements together... Well, can we all read together our call to worship this morning, which is taken from Psalm 71, verses 22 through 24. And this is from the message version. And I kind of like this first line. You got me when I was an unformed youth, God, and taught me everything I know. Now I'm telling the world your wonders. I'll keep at it until I'm old and gray, like today. God, don't walk off and leave me until I get out the news of your strong right arm to this world news of your power to the world yet to come your famous and righteous ways oh god god you've done it all who is quite like you amen you who made me stare trouble in the face turn me around now let me look life in the face i've been to the bottom bring me up streaming with honors Turn to me, be tender to me, and I'll take up the loot and thank you to the tune of your faithfulness, God. I'll make music for you on a harp, Holy One of Israel. When I open up in song to you, I let out lungs full of praise, my rescued life a song. Amen. Will you join us as Lindsay leads us in this prayer for the Holy Land, and whether you want to stand or sit, however you're most comfortable, Lindsay will lead us in the portions that are uh, lowercase, and then we can all pray together the words that are uppercase. Surround us with your love as we pray for the Holy Land in our world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of righteousness, who demands that our worldly governors take up their responsibility to protect those in their charge and uphold the dignity of all human beings, pour your wisdom into the leaders of this world. For all who bear such responsibility, that they may put the good of the whole over their own greed for power. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, who even in the darkest times shows us your path, we give you thanks for all those who in the face of crisis, wrought by evildoers, work to help the helpless, to hold out hope to the desolate, to speak for the voiceless, and to bring understanding and knowledge to a world darkened by ignorance and hate. For our siblings who risk much to aid others, that their actions may be successful and their words may be heard. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
God of mercy, who binds up the wounds of those who suffer, bless the victims of the consequences of fear and hate in the last week and over the past 75 years of conflict in the Holy Land. Those injured and traumatized, those bereaved and grieving, those held as captives and prisoners, those who face deprivation and desperation because of systems of violence and oppression, so that they may move forward in this life, standing firm in your truth and avoiding the temptation of vengeance. For all whose lives are forever marked by suffering, that they may be blessed with the hope of your presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of life, whose faithfulness to us is never-ending, we remember before you those who have died by the violence that has become shockingly routine in your holy land. Receive them into your heart, where they may know the peace and joy of eternal life in you. For all who have died, that they may rest in that place where pain is no more. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of justice, who calls us to uphold the dignity of every human being, every child of this earth, beloved of you, empower your church to help you heal this terrible cycle of violence and revenge. Give us courage to rise above our fear that nothing can be done in the face of the conflict and chaos of our own creating. Grant us the conviction to advocate for change and to work for the establishment of your peace, your shalom, your salam in this broken world. For your dream of justice and peace on earth and for us, that we may take up your call to build it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All this we pray in the name of the one who offered his life so that we might live. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Can I invite the communion uh, ministers to come up as we continue to pray uh, in the same way? Uh, You'll see the responses in bold as we pray and we prepare our hearts to receive this communion today. Let us be glad and praise the Lord with shouts of joy. For God's light has come and God's glory has risen upon us together. Glorious and merciful God, we praise you and we thank you that you did not leave us in darkness. You did not abandon us to our sin. You did not reject us when we faltered, but you led us out from the darkness and into your marvelous light. We thank you, we praise you, and we glorify you. Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, King of Compassion. Let us hear again the story of this hopeful meal. When Jesus knew the time had come and the darkness was gathering around him, he shared his final meal with his friends. Taking the bread, he gave thanks. Then he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. 
do this whenever you eat it to remember me. As the bread is broken, we all say, we thank you, Jesus, for the broken bread. After supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. Then he gave it to his disciples saying, this cup is a new covenant and forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it to remember me. And as we imagine the cup being lifted up, we all say together, we thank you, Jesus, for the cup. Now, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim that Jesus' life was not extinguished by death. We proclaim that Jesus' body was not held by the grave. And we proclaim the hope that we have found in him and together. And we will keep doing this until our hope is fulfilled. Amen. And so we invite you to come up. You can receive communion in the front, or there's also the sealed containers in the back if you prefer. But we invite you to come and receive communion and the blessing of this day. Good morning. It is so good to be with all of you today. My hey, look who it is, everybody. Hey, it's I'm Hannah Matson. <laughs> My name is Pastor Hannah Matson. If you're new in the last seven weeks or so, I was on maternity leave. Um, had a baby named Wilder who's back there with my mom. Um, but it's so good to be with you all. Thank you. Yeah, it's so good to be together on Sunday mornings. Um, there's nothing like experiencing God, hearing from God together on Sunday mornings. Um, and this week we're talking about the abundant life. And if you are new here, um, we want to help you connect with all of the resources that come with Crossroads. We're happy you're here. You're welcome. You're wanted. And we have a few invitations for you. You can either take out your cell phone and follow this QR code. Um, And there's like a BuzzFeed-style quiz that helps you reflect on what you want from Crossroads, what might be a good next step for you. Um, And if you want to leave your contact information, you can do so there. If you're here in person, um, we have a gift for you back at Next Steps. If you're comfortable coming and saying hi, in person. We just want to say hi and that we're glad that you're here. And today we're going to talk about the things that are going on at Crossroads this week and these months um, in kind of a different way. I've been on a team of people who are working to talk about how can we clarify and communicate effectively the opportunities that we have here at Crossroads. We don't have like a membership process where you have to do X, Y, and Z to belong at Crossroads, but we know it can be overwhelming or confusing to find your people here sometimes because there's so much going on. So we've been thinking about how there's really three reasons we feel like people come to church. One is they want to connect. They want relationships that are healthy. Two, they want to grow personally, whether that's growing in your understanding of God or of others. Um, And then three, we want to see a better world. We want justice, and we want to be a part of that change through serving. So maybe take a second and reflect on, in your life right now, what are you craving more of, right? Are you looking to connect, to grow, or to serve? And we have tried to kind of shape our opportunities around giving you short-term ways to connect um, in each of these areas or long-term ways. Um, So if you're someone who is looking to connect socially. We have a men's breakfast coming up on December 2nd, and we often have a women's holiday event coming up too. Um, And then we also have an experienced Crossroads class coming up on December 3rd. If you have questions about 
what makes Crossroads different from other places. This is a great place to go learn about that, but also meet other people who are looking to make this place their home. And then we always have small groups going. Um, If you are a young mom, if you're looking for a couples group, a 20 and 30 somethings group, we have artists group, whatever you're looking for, we would love to find a group of people to really walk in community with. Um, Here at Crossroads, our mission is to help people navigate the journey. So wherever you are, we're looking to just help you find the people you're walking with who are going to help you find God and your best self in this season. If you're looking for personal growth opportunities, we have a discovery retreat coming up on November 18th. This is a great chance to get away from your life and the noise to hear from God for three hours on a Saturday morning. But it's called a discovery retreat because it's also an opportunity to discover if you'd be interested in doing a longer-term two-year cohort um, where you might be with a group of people experiencing transformation quarterly for two years. Um, And then we also have Samuel Mark's Bible study is an eight-week course. Um, If you are looking for a Bible study and people to study scripture with, this is a great opportunity there as well. And then that long-term opportunity, right, would be that two-year group of people that you are committed to transformation with. And then the last category, justice and service, if you're looking for a one-time opportunity to serve, um, we're going to be doing on November 19th, Deck the Halls and Clean the Walls, we're calling it. (laughs) Um, it, If you want to help clean the church, decorate, (laughs) just stay for a couple hours after church, we're going to have pizza. Um, And you can help make this place festive and fun and beautiful for the holidays, making people feel welcome as they come. Um, And if you're looking for maybe what might be a longer-term thing for me, Kathleen, Pastor Kathleen in the back, is going to be leading a three-week course that starts this week on Wednesday nights um, about our shape. What are our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our experiences telling us about how we can serve God in this season? Um, I'm going to be there. I'm really excited for it. Um, And if you have questions, feel free to ask Kathleen about that. And then we always have serving teams here at Crossroads. If you're looking for people who want to serve God in the way that you want to serve God, we have tech team, music, CR Kids, food pantry, so many different ways that you can find people who are on this journey with you, serving, growing, connecting, um, whatever it may be. So that was really probably a bit overwhelming. We have handouts at Next Steps that kind of detail all of these things. Um, and I just want to invite us to think of, is there one thing that sounded interesting that maybe is the thing we're going to think about? <laughs> um, but also the invitation is to be present here this Sunday. I believe God's going to speak to us today um, and in the future. Um, and then, oh yeah, last thing, um, we have a CR Youth Bonfire coming up. And I don't know if you've ever been to a party hosted by Stacy, Jaquiel, or AJ, but these people know how to throw a party. So yeah. um, on October 28th from 6 to 8 in the courtyard, which is behind the cafe, there's like a little garden and a fire pit. Um, they're going to throw a great party. So if you know any 6th through 12th graders interested in hanging out, getting to know some people, and having intentional community where they meet God this is a great opportunity for them. So that's what's happening at Crossroads. Thanks, Hannah. So good. Hannah can make things uh, so I can understand them. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, so many wonderful things that are going on. And then there's those things that are challenging in all of our lives. So hopefully as we keep moving forward as a people 
uh, we know that God is with us in the midst of all of that, right? So um, we've been in this, uh, the Abundant Life series, we've been talking about abundance for several weeks now, and uh, just want to encourage you, if you haven't been a part of any of these weeks or some of these weeks, to maybe go back and listen, because we're trying to uh, build one week on the next, and there's some uh, things that might be helpful in the past that uh, we don't want to keep revisiting, although some stuff we do keep revisiting intentionally. Um, I always, I always um, kind of laugh uh, when we talk about this kind of stuff. I love to talk about uh, things like finances. I think it's totally a part of, I've always felt this way. Even before I, remember I, my buddy, when I was in high school, he was so trying to lead me to Christ. Um, and our family, we were just like good Americans. You know what I mean? <laughs> we were just like trying to be the best American family we could be. But we were we had a belief in Christ. But uh, and I've shared this story multiple times. But we, I, I, speaking for myself, I hadn't made a commitment to Christ. But if you'd asked me if I believed in Jesus, I would have said yeah for sure. Uh, but I remember my buddy. He so he and his family were so trying to share Christ with our family. And we were really close with them. And I, actually, my buddy that I'm talking about ended up being the best man at uh, uh, Claire and Mai's wedding. Um, anyway, so I think it's like 10th grade or something. And finally, our family had made a decision we are going to go to church. It was a Sunday night. Uh, he was Baptist. It was a Baptist church. Not that that really mattered for this story. But um, anyway, we went in there on Sunday night. Uh, at their church uh, was like kind of like a family meeting, right? So they talked about some things that you didn't necessarily talk about as much on Sunday morning uh, when when people outside the family were there, kind of like at your house. You have conversations with the family and then probably some things you'd talk about differently with the bigger group. Anyway, so we're there that night, and sure enough, the pastor got up, and he just talked about tithing the whole time, and it like crushed my buddy, and he felt so bad, and he's like, man, I I just, I'm sorry, I didn't know that the pastor was going to talk about tithing, I'm not going to be talking about tithing today, so I'm not setting you up for that, anyway, um, but I, uh, and I, I looked at him, and I said, this just makes perfect sense to us, I don't think my family feels any way other than this is a part of our lives. Like, of course, you talk about, there's nobody that's exempt from a conversation around finances, right? So in some ways, it can feel uneasy when you start to talk about money, and, uh, and it can be uneasy for us individually. We might start to feel shame around certain things. Um, but what we all need to do is just breathe. There's no shame Jesus isn't trying to shame anybody. Uh, It's not a good way to motivate people to transformation to try to put guilt or shame. I'm not going to accept any shame or guilt around any of these conversations myself. And if you ever feel that way around here, just know that it's never the intent and that's just kind of the the enemy trying to put something on you that uh, is not something God would want. But we're going to talk... We're going to kind of move into this next conversation here, and uh, 
I'm sure that I won't get through this today, so we'll break it up, but I want to lay the groundwork for it. Uh, Romans 8, 26 through 28. Why don't we stand together and read this nice and loud. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. While we're still standing, um, let's just take a moment and consider... What in your own life or your family, however you would want to categorize this, what would you say um, is an area that you would hold before God today and say, God, I feel like this is a weakness when it comes to resources in my life. And that could include everything, anything. It could include your career, whatever, your business. Just hold it before God and, and with a heart of, and God, I... I'm just asking for help. I'm asking for your presence and strength in this area, whatever it is. So let's just all do that for a second. And now let's read this last verse together. Verse 28, here we go, ready? For we know all things work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's read it again. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Amen. You can go ahead and take a seat. So when it comes to thinking about the resources that we've established clearly and is established clearly in scripture that God gives each one of us, uh, resources to steward over. So we've already talked about um, that basically the Bible essentially tells us that we're stewards, we're not owners. It all kind of is God's, and God gives us this privilege of tending to that and then calls each one of us to a different, unique life. We're all in a unique place. And in your unique life and your unique place and the resources that have been released into your life, which is totally connected to who and how God created you to be, I believe that, um, is there's a lot of different moving parts, right? So I've got this old tractor uh, that I absolutely love. It's a little John Deere lawnmower. Um, it's figured best... Uh, we figure it's about 45 years old. And I love this thing for a couple reasons. One is because I purchased it off of my nephew, Isaac, um, shortly before he went to heaven. So very meaningful to me that way. Um, and it just feels good. You got anything like that in your life? It feels good. It's like older. And in some ways, every time I take it out on the lawn, I feel like, yes, you know, I didn't have to buckle to the man, you know, and I just got this old lawnmower and, you know, it doesn't have to be high speed or whatever, but I got this incredible guy that takes care of it, Ryan Livingston, and, you know, Ryan starts to talk to me just 
fix some things on it. He starts to talk to me about all these parts and, you know, you need this. I act like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh yeah, Ryan, yes, definitely see that. Oh, of course. And he starts to talk about how all of these things work together and if he can get, there's a couple things that aren't working real well. If we can get this thing to come together better, it's still 45 years old, but it's still going to be able to cut your grass. And I'm just thinking, I can't wait. And I, you got to see this thing. It's really nice. Anybody wants to buy it, I'm selling it. No, I'm only, only kidding. I, I'm not selling it. But that's how your life and my life is when it comes to our resources. There's a lot of moving parts. So when we have any kind of conversation around uh, finances or resources, your life is, is pretty complex, and at the same time, there's, there's some basic foundational things for all of us to pay attention to. Um, I think one of the big mistakes, for instance, when people do financial planning is, like if you just read, which I do, I read a lot of stuff on, uh, you know, whether it, whatever, just different articles, books. I read. But the problem is, is if you just like go by what somebody says, it really needs to be very unique to your life. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's important when you have these kinds of conversations, really any kind of conversation in the church that in, in your life, that you really invite the Holy Spirit to breathe into your situation. Because your situation is not my situation, is not the person next to you's situation. So it's important that we hear what the Spirit's saying to us. And therefore, that's one of the reasons why when you start to feel shame around anything, like, oh, I'm not doing well enough with this, or I, you know, I failed in that way, understand that's not God's voice in your life. I'm not saying that God doesn't convict us and encourage us, because certainly that's the truth, the reality. There's invitations along the way, and that's what we want to pay attention to. But shame isn't it. So isn't a part of that. So there's what I want to say, 10 kind of core practices uh, for financial holiness or wholeness. All right. And I'm just going to give you the 10 and then we're going to see how far we get with these today and we'll keep going. So uh, number one, that we would live with faith. And I'll break these down a little bit as we go. Number two, that we would live with gratitude. Number three, that we would live with awareness Number four, that we would live with discipline. Number five, that we would live with the math. Number six, that we would live with God's invitation. There's, I believe, always invitations happening in our lives when it comes to what's going on for us personally in our own home and then how that affects the world. Number seven, that we would live gaining wisdom. Lord, let it be known of us that we are becoming more wise, that I'm more wise and you're more wise today than we were last month or a year ago, right? Number eight, that we would live open-handed. Number nine, that we would live into opportunities. And number 10, that we would live for a final audit. So it's interesting, this first thing, living by faith, when it comes to living by faith, um, think of faith in terms of uh, knowing that God is with you. So wherever you're at on this journey, understand that God is with you. And that in itself is a really 
awesome reason to be pretty optimistic. No matter how rough things might feel for you right now, understand that when God invites us to faith and invites us to faith around things that are so practical in our life, understand the invitation has huge ramifications on your life practically, not just supernaturally or spiritually, although we're not discounting any of that. God opens doors and closes doors, and many, if not all of us, have experienced things that kind of came out of nowhere that was a, it was a blessing to us. Um, and then we've experienced probably things that came out of nowhere that it was like not feeling like a blessing, right? But anyway, this whole practice of faith, I want you to think of in terms of being optimistic because you and I have a lot to be optimistic about. Um, I was reading earlier or uh, at a certain uh, time over the last couple of weeks, and there's a lot written on optimism and how it affects our lives financially. Um, I think it's just a secular term, or or I don't like to even use that, but I just think sometimes people, instead of saying faith, they'll just say optimism or hope, okay? But more and more studies are coming out, and there's some incredible writing around this subject of being postured. So if anybody should be postured in a place of optimism around their resource, it should be those that have a trust in God at some level. We have reason to be optimistic. Um, One author, Michelle uh, Gielan, she puts it this way uh, after a pretty thorough study that she did, and she's an author uh, and uh, does life coaching and does a lot of study around this. You may have heard of her. Anyway, this is some of the stuff that she learned in the surveys and the, uh, the... the uh, interviews that she has done over the years, that optimists are seven times more likely to have better financial health than pessimists. So I think the first question maybe for us to ask ourselves is, do we tend to be pessimistic um, or do we tend to be optimistic? And when we say optimistic, we're not talking about pie in the sky. We just think it's being kind of posturing yourself in a way where it's like God is with me and Even if this is hard right now, things can work out. I trust God to help with this. She goes on and says nearly 60% of the people, uh, nearly 60% of of optimists seek out financial advice compared to 42% of pessimists. Approximately 43% of optimists say they're very interested in learning more about money compared to 33% of pessimists. Nearly 70% of optimists change their financial habits after a setback, while 36% of pessimists do. 90% of optimists say they save for major purchases compared to 70% of pessimists. And in an article that she wrote uh, entitled The Financial Upside of Being an Optimist, In the Harvard Business Review, she kind of concluded it with this. She said, in my opinion, the most compelling finding was how optimists felt reporting that they stressed about finances 145 fewer days as compared to pessimists. There's another great chapter in a a book that I would encourage anybody that's interested in this kind of stuff. It's called The Psychology of Money. Um, And there's a chapter on this whole conversation around pessimism and optimism. 
And I want you to think about how just the news affects how you feel personally about your resources, like the news that's going on in the world, events. And part of the, part of the reason it's harder for us to be optimistic is because optimism is formed over a period of time and, and good results are generally formed over a period of time. Uh, that's just how resources and finances happen. It's if you sow, you reap over time. Whereas it's easy to be pessimistic because we're so driven by headlines, right? So we hear something negative. We've got stuff going on this morning that we're all very, uh, we've already prayed around this. Perhaps you've been praying all morning about this, right? It's on your heart. There's things going on in the world, things going on in the Middle East, things going on other places. And indirectly, that begins to posture our heart in a way that we approach these things. And our finances are not outside of that. So it's, a, it's really a remarkable thing. So we want to practice faith. We want to practice optimism. How do I do that? Mainly, it's we, the second thing is we need to live with gratitude. This is how you increase your faith. One of the primary reasons we increase our, our ways we increase our faith and our optimism is we practice and live by gratitude. Learn to be content. Practice contentedness. A life of consistent gratitude is the best antidote to the world's siren call for us to buy and pursue more. Right? So when I when I lean into, and you lean into a practice of gratitude, like a great practice, uh, Claire and I do this every morning, and we try to do it every night before we go to bed, um, is we simply have space where we give God thanks for relational things, for things like our home, things like, uh, you know, as ridiculous as it may sound, the lawnmower that we have. Um, You don't have to go through a laundry list every day or every morning, but the power of that in your life and mine and the way it can shift and you begin to feel and understand that God is with you in all of it because what it is is it's reminding yourself of the goodness of God in your life over time. This is a place where I would encourage, maybe for some of us especially, cutting back on the news and social media. Because the way that we approach our financial life is, if we're honest, some of us are drastically affected by things that will never personally touch you, but you're sure they will. You're listening to macro conversations that at the end of the day will have very little bearing on your life. But you're having a hard time processing that and it's stealing your faith. You're discontent. You're pessimistic about what God can even do. And sometimes you might even be forgetting that God can do something in the midst of that. We live in a world and a culture especially of discontentedness. So the practice, let's just breathe for a minute, the practice of gratitude for the abundance in our lives, the things that we've been given to steward over, the privilege of that, the goodness of that. 
when you start to feel yourself discontent around the things that have been released to you, just step back, allow God to remind you of God's generosity in your direction. Um, The third one here is to live with awareness. Uh, And uh, we, we have a song that is kind of a play off of an old song at our house. Um, when things would get tight over the years, we would sing, Where has all the money gone? Long time passing. So the scripture tells us to know the condition of our flocks. Proverbs 27, 23, right? So in a more general term, this is where uh, you would have the conversation around budgeting. Um, but let's just let's just say it this way. And by the way, I think it's always good to have two different kinds of budgets. Um, I think there's the budget where you just write down what you have as an income streams, you know, or stream. Maybe you get a paycheck and maybe there's other money that comes in. Maybe your Aunt Sally gives you $100 a year. Put that into your income stream, right? Figure that in. So you put down all your income. Um, try your best to understand what that is, and then you just do your budget, and then you've got the outflow or your expenses, and write that down and compare those and see, you know, so that's just a general budget, and I don't, we don't have time to go through all of that. We, we can talk about that a different time in a different place, uh, but I think it's good to have a second budget. After you write your budget down, especially your expense end or also your income end, write down what I call the baloney budget, and that is if, for instance, we used to have we used to live on a baloney budget most of the time. It's like if you lose your job, if that's your main source of income, and you had to eat baloney, uh, your maybe your cost, your grocery cost would go down. Like you're living one way because you're working and you got income, but then always be ready for if this doesn't work out well, baloney budget. I don't need. Uh, Nobody has cable anymore, but you don't need some of the things you have. Maybe you don't need Starbucks every, every day. Uh, where do I need to tighten? Where do I need to loosen? I think it's helpful to have both of those things go on. Uh, you can call it an unemployment budget, a powdered milk budget. Many of you aren't old enough to remember powdered milk, but uh, my, my siblings and I, we're, we're fully aware of a powdered milk budget. Um, And then the last one I'm going to cover for today is live with discipline. Now, I want you to think about, there's there's this language that we're using around self-care, right? Um, And I want you to think about your resource pool that's been released to you as an issue of self-care. That's like the buzzword, right? It's one of those buzz things and, you know, you got to have self-care and And you should. You need to take care of yourself. And and I want you to think about how your your financial situation has a lot to do with your self-care. Like some folks, some of us are, we got a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear around this. So when we talk about uh, putting things into practice, what we're being invited to is care for ourselves. Think about how much time, uh, and it doesn't have to be negative either, just think about how much time gets taken from your life, how much mental energy is pulled away from you 
just because you're spending time on paying attention to the challenge, but there's nothing going on to change that. Does that make sense? That's really not caring for yourself. It's not good for you emotionally, spiritually. It's not good for your nervous system. And if certainly if, you know, um, going hunting, getting up in a tree stand is good self-care, all for that. Um, think it's good and important for those that resonate with that, getting out in nature. If you think going to get your nails done is good self-care, imagine how much more self-care paying attention to your resources are. Now, when we live with discipline, we pay attention primarily to three areas. We've already talked about them. This kind of flows out of this budget idea. Um, But this is the practically fleshing out of the budget. It has to do with the way we give, our generosity as people, has to do with the money that we save or invest, and has to do with the money that we spend. This is personal self-care. It affects us. So um, when, when you start to talk about things like budgeting or, you know, paying attention, just being aware of how much money am I spending, how much money is our house spending, and then how can we be more effective at this, we're not doing anything but establishing guardrails. Um, and guardrails, think about guardrails on the road. Uh, it, it just helps you stay safe. It's so that your life doesn't go flying into the ravine. You don't want to run into the guardrails, but guardrails are nice because they help keep you on the road, right? Um, And it can feel pretty restricting, especially if you've never considered what you spend and you've never paid much attention to it. And all of a sudden you're having these conversations. It can really feel handcuffing, honestly. Um, Claire and I, for instance, we're not like jot and tittle kind of people, like... We have, a, we have, a, we have uh, I used to, Claire would laugh at me, I'd say, yeah, I got a budget in my head. Um, but, but we still, there needs to be a framework that you know what's coming in and what's going out, and then how can you live with guardrails that will be helpful and effective for you, okay? So I'm going to end with this scripture. It's down a bit, so uh, it's not going to be on one of the slides. Um, but then I want to just kind of give us an invitation, and we'll get the rest of this next week. But in Proverbs 21.20, it says this. It says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but the foolish devour all they have. Let me read it to you again. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish person devours all they have. Now, I think that the invitation from God for us all is to be in pursuit of wisdom. And I want to pray for you today as we pull this together. And I really do want to pray for God's blessing on the things you're putting your hands to. And also I want to pray for when things are released into your life and mine, that we'll be wise handlers of that. Can we do that? Why don't we stand? And then I also want to say that, um, you know, these things that I'm talking about here, I'm really not getting into a lot of detail, and you might have a lot more questions that are more pertinent to you individually.
and um, on December 2nd, after the men's meeting is over at 11 a.m., we'll do a meeting up in the cafe for people that might want to get a little bit deeper into these kinds of discussions. Uh, it'll be a kind of a one-time meeting for an hour and a half or two hours, and we'll have a lot of just going back and forth. Um, and then we'll see what happens from there. We might do some kind of small group thing beyond that. So again, December 2nd, we'll get this stuff to you guys later. Um, but I really want to pray for you. And I want to bring us back to where we were at the end of last week. And I want you to think about this. We talked about, I began to talk about, and we're, we're getting there. There's no place like the church. And I want you, if, if you're comfortable with it, look around the room. Or maybe some of you are in a spot where you've been looking around the room. You know people in the room, and there's people you don't know. But there's no place like the church. There's no place like an environment, and there's folks online that are going to be watching us. In this environment, the compiled wisdom is absolutely remarkable. When you think about the homes and the lives and the careers and the things, the education, when you think about what's in this room, what God has done in the lives of the folks in this room, this is a powerful place. There's no place on earth like the church when it's healthy. It is the body of Christ. There, there's pretty much almost every, like, every avenue of life gets lived out in the church. And we come together and we're here for one another that God may do a work not only on the earth, but also in our own lives. So right now, God, I pray for my friends. Each one of them has, including me, has needs for greater wisdom, greater insight. greater strength, God. There's some in this room, God, that the call on their life is this ability to generate wealth at a, at a, at a level that some of us aren't real familiar with. It's just their, that's their call. There's some of us in this room, God, that they bring a whole different kind of wealth, a wealth of insight and grace and forgiveness, love. We all come from different places, God. Grew up in different homes. But you've been in our experience and we all come together collaborating, praying together, working as a community of faith and as a community and a region to make a difference in our world. So we pray for humility. We pray that our hearts would be enlarged. We give thanks for your amazing abundance in our lives. We're overwhelmed that for whatever reason, God, you placed us here and now. The resources are plentiful. 
as a generation and a community of people, we know there's a call on us corporately and individually. So help us. Help us to know what that is. Help us to gain hearts of wisdom. Help us to uh, let our life works be informed by your goodness and your abundance. And now I bless my friends. I bless them. I pray into their homes, into their storehouses abundance. I pray for surprising things, miraculous things to happen this week. I pray for businesses to be overwhelmed with your goodness. I pray for uh, hopes that uh, we're in the midst of as individuals, those things that we've been longing for, that feel like they're desires from you, God, I pray that those things would open up. I pray, Lord, for this house. I pray for crossroads. I just pray, Lord, that this church would prosper, that we as a community of faith, God, we would be strengthened by your goodness. And we especially pray, God, for anyone upstairs, the children, those online, and anyone in this room that's hurting today, that's lacking. We pray especially for them. And we pray, God, that we can be kind of an Acts chapter 2 church, that there would be no needy among us, Lord. That out of the outflow of your generosity toward us, we would flow in generosity to one another and to the wider world. So we love you, God. And I just want to thank you for my friends and all that I continue to learn from them and their examples. So bless them in their faith. And I ask these things as we go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, everybody. Have an amazing week. You are much loved. And um, we'll see you next week.